Welcome to the River Valley Podcast. River Valley is a group of people seeking to connect to Jesus and connect to each other. And we're excited that you're here. Whether you're listening at home, on the job, maybe at the gym, in the car, wherever you're joining us, I hope that you'll open up your heart, open up your mind, and receive a fresh word from the Lord today. Enjoy the message. I, uh, I wish that I was a better journaler. I, I'm not. Uh, I kind of go in spurts. Uh, I love the idea, but frankly, I've not done it real well over the years, except for this one. This is a, a journal that I'm going to show you parts of in a moment, but this is a journal that I really and truly think like I will give to my children one day because the information is, was life-changing for me and continues to transform me, and it's, it's, right there. It's like this, this journal has all the answers. And so I want to show you where this journey began. I want to show you a picture of this journal. And so this is December 28th, 2017. And I want you to look at it. Now think about the context. It's three days after Christmas. I don't know about you guys, but we dropped some cash during Christmas. So I'm not exactly got a lot of extra right after Christmas, but on December 28, 2017, I wrote this. This month, we had almost $1,200 worth of van repairs. We had a washing machine break. We had a, I went to the dentist for a normal cleaning that wouldn't cost anything, and I had to have an emergency surgery that cost me $850. And then both Mel and Liv had to get their phones worked on, And all that adds up to $2,618 right after Christmas. And then I want you to read this next line. This takes $1,100 from next month that we had purposed so that we could pay off Creed's braces. And then I wish I could convey to you adequately this next phrase, but this is me yelling to God, I don't understand. (laughs) What are you doing? Why is this happening? I have been, and I go on from there, I've been faithful in giving. There's some things that I've been taught about giving that don't align with this reality. What's going on, Jesus? We're hurting financially, and I don't know how to stop it because I don't know what the problem is. I don't know how to fix the problem. So I I griped for quite a while, and then I backed up, and I was like, I know, Jesus, you're faithful. I know that there's just some kind of disconnect with how I'm thinking and and proceeding about money, and you teach, and that's where the disconnection is, but I don't know how. So here's what I did for the next two days. Go to this next picture. I found every passage of Scripture that I could that dealt, dealt with money. Every single, this is not a sample this is every one that I, I mean, I'm Googling passages about money, and I'm writing them down. I'm writing the ones I know, and I write all of these down, and then I start to systematically study these, and that's what the check mark is. God, teach me something new. I don't understand what's going on, and I've missed something along the way. I know it's not you. It's me. It's me, and so give me a new perspective on money because I need something to change. So this, we're starting a new series on called Perspectives, and I want us to look at money differently, and I want you, I knew when I was doing this that I would take you through it someday, but that was 2017. Now, we're not like 
rolling in it now. We're not like completely done, but God is doing amazing things in our finances. And it started with me learning some of the principles that I'm going to show you and perspective. Now, I want to be really clear with what we're doing today. All I'm going to ask you to do today is think biblically about money. If you're sitting there and you're holding your wallet or you're holding your card and worried that I'm going to try to get some of your money, then just deal with that. But that's not true, all right? We've already done the offering. That's on the front end. I want to help you think about money differently in the way you look at it and process it in exactly what Jesus taught me. In the next few weeks, we're going to use of those almost 70 uh, passages of Scripture, we're going to use the four that Jesus identified for me. These are the, these are the anchor passages. These are the ones you've got to understand, and they're going to elaborate, and everything else kind of just elaborates on that. So these are the four big ones. And, and today we're going to start out with a story in Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16, and we're going to just deal with perspectives. So just deal with how you think about money. That's all we're doing today. I'm not going to ask you to make, give us money. I'm not going to ask you to make changes to your money. I'm just going to ask you to think biblically about money in the way that God shows us. So Luke chapter 16, beginning in verse 1. We're going to go uh, multiple times through this text, so keep your Bibles open. Here we go. Verse 1, Luke 16. Now he said to his disciples, so this is Jesus teaching his disciples, there was a rich man who received an accusation that his manager was squandering his possessions. So he called the manager in and he asked, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you can no longer be my manager. So I'm going to give you through this text six words that give you a proper perspective about money. The first two words are here. The Bible says there was a rich man. He owned the money. The first biblical perspective is that Jesus is the owner. God owns everything. Psalm chapter 24, verse 1, the Bible says, the earth and everything and everyone in it belongs to the Lord. Everything and everyone belongs to the Lord. God is the owner. And it's helpful for us to think of that that way. He really and truly owns everything. And it's helpful for us to go through from time to time. And even the things, you know, you might say, this is my house or this is my car. This is my family. God owns everything. God owns all. Those are his. We are his and everything that we own is his. The second word is manager. We see three times. Called his manager in. Didn't like the way his manager was doing because he was squandering. And so he fired him from being a manager. God owns everything. We're the manager of the things that he has given us. And here's the big idea between the two. You will give an account for how you spend money. You will give an account for how you spend money as the manager to the owner. You will, you are accountable for how you spend your money. I'm not talking about giving today. I'm just talking about spending. How you spend your money, you will give an account to. We see this over and over in the Bible. The Bible says there was a, a vineyard owner, and he lent the vineyard to some people, and then they had to tell him what he had done with it. And then there's a—we're uh, going to look at a parable of the talents. That's an amount of money. The parable of the minas, that's an amount of money. Jesus is the owner, and he leaves, and he comes back, and the manager gives him an account. And here's what the manager did wrong. The manager squandered his money squandered. It means, it means wasting 
or recklessly spending. That's what squandering means. My favorite example of that, so uh, I grew up late 80s, early 90s, uh, so uh, that's, that's the music I listened to the way God intended. Uh, is, is, and so, but here a few years ago, you ever had one of those moments where you realized like you were getting old? This girl in our youth group uh, uh, that like was now an adult, she, she was doing like some jazzercise or something, you know, where they, where they exercise to music. And she goes, yeah, we're, we're, doing, we're doing this one routine right now to this great uh, oldies song uh, by MC Hammer, Can't Touch This. And I, I remember thinking, no, no, that's, that's, not, that's not classic. That's, that's new and fresh. I mean, he is too legit to quit. I mean, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I was just like, oh, and, and so, you know you're getting old when you pull into a new town and you find a radio station, it's got all your hits, and then they're like, classic rock. Yeah, yeah, you know, and you're just like, oh, man, which is better than oldies. It sounds much better. But, so, so I loved MC Hammer. I loved MC Hammer. Now, I did not have the parachute pants that MC Hammer had. You could get beat up in Hereford, Texas. for That was too far. But I, I loved his music. I loved his music. And uh, I don't know if you know this about him, but... Uh, he was by far the highest entertainer, uh, paid entertainer of his day. He was making $35 million a year, $70 million in today's money. Um, he's famous for buying a, a, a mansion in California, an 11,000 square foot mansion. He bought it for like $5.3 million. He bought it and took a bulldozer and bulldozed an 11,000 square foot mansion so that he could build a 40,000 square foot mansion. It had, you know, because you can't just have one swimming pool. It had a swim, it had two swimming pools, one at each end. Because it was so big, it'd take you, you know, a quarter hour to walk from one end to the other. So it had two swimming pools. It had uh, multiple tennis courts. It had a 17-car garage, which he filled with luxury automobiles. At one time, MC Hammer was spending $500,000 a month. On, hit, on the upkeep of the people that were taking care of his stuff. Not the payments, the people. He had a payroll of $500,000 a month. He literally had, a, at one point, a gold uh, toilet. And strangely enough, he went bankrupt. Right? I mean, you're just like, what? Who, who, who could have seen that coming? He went bankrupt. And he's one of the most famous bankruptcies ever. And we look at someone like that, and I think we think, look at how he squandered his money. And when we see those extremes, we think, you know what? If I had that kind of money, I would, you know, I would manage it. I would do much better. And the reality is, is that a lot of us in this room need to recognize that we could find ourselves in the story of the manager, and we could learn a valuable lesson that we've been squandering and learn what's going to happen before it happens so we don't make the same mistake. You, if you are here today and you have way more debt than you want. You think, well, if I could just make some more money. If you're here today and shopping is your hobby, if you're here today and you say you have goals for the future, maybe you want to send your kids to college or maybe you want to retire at a certain age, but yet your spending today consumes everything that you make today and actually works against your goals for the future then you find yourself, like I did, like I do, in this text. You're squandering. You're not taking care of the resources properly that God has given you. You're managing them poorly. 
they're his, but we're to manage them. And so that's where I found myself in this text. So what are we going to do with it? Here's the crux of all of it. First word is owner. Second word is manager. Verse 3. So the manager said to himself, what will I do since my master is taking the management away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig. I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I'm removed from management, people will welcome me into their homes. So he summoned each of his master's debtors. How much do you owe my master? He said to the first one, a hundred measures of olive oil. He said, take your invoice. He told him, sit down quickly and write 50. Next, he asked another, how much do you owe? A hundred measures of wheat, he said. Take your invoice, he told him, and write 80. The master, now this is the owner, praised the unrighteous manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the children of this age are more shrewd than the children of light in dealing with their own people. The third word is action, and I'm going to unpack it. And I put, I put stars around this. This is the big idea from the passage. Three times in this text it says, I will do. I'll do this. He acted, and the Bible said he acted shrewdly. Now, the reason most of us ignore this passage is because we don't like how it plays out. It seems like the manager's being dishonest, right? No one knows that he's been fired yet. So he goes around before people know that he's been fired, and he makes, he, he kind of goes behind his manager's back, we think of, and, and gets it right so that people will owe him. But I want you to see, biblical parables uh, have one big idea that they're, they're, they're trying to teach. This is it for this one, that the guy acted. The guy acted. So if you get caught up in like, well, that was kind of deceptive. He shouldn't have done that. It's a made-up story, okay? Just let that part go or else you're going to miss the important part, which that the owner said, hey, way to go. You knew what to do. You knew what to do. In other words, we need to learn how to do biblical finances in the modern times. He said he acted shrewdly. And he says, so many people don't know how to do finances. He says, the people of this age know how to do it. But sometimes God's people, they're like, well, I don't know. That's the way I was. I knew how to give because I'd been raised to give. But I didn't understand a lot of biblical finances. And so he's praised for that. So you need to act. You need to act on your money. That's what he's praised for in this text. Now, I want to show you something really interesting about, again, back to my journal. So that was December 28th that I wrote, I don't understand. I'm mad at you, God. Help me to understand. And so I wrote out, it took me several days to write out all of those uh, different passages. And then I started studying them. And here's December 30th. I studied studied, uh, Genesis 14. Here's uh, January 1st, Malachi 3. Here's January 2nd, Matthew 7. Here, January 3rd. And so I went literally, and I want you to see this, I went seven days, and I was studying. Man, I was desperate. I was like, God, you got to show me. And I'm studying, and I'm praying, and I'm learning. And one day, uh, my, I guess my journal was sitting out. And so then the next day when I came to start studying again, this is what I found. Let me show you a picture. This is a note from Melinda. And she wrote right here in this journal, this is a picture of it. She wrote, you're an excellent pastor, father, and husband, and friend. You wear many hats with what appears to be an effortless ease. Of course, I know better. You put more effort into these areas of your life than anyone I know. You are disciplined to give constant effort 
when it is difficult. I know we often joke about me loving you because you're funny, and that's true. But I love you most because of your consistent, disciplined effort that you give our family. Thank you. In my weakness, I feel loved and safe with you, which is a perfect image of God. You lead me well, and I am eternally grateful. God gave you to be my husband and my best friend. I love you with all my heart, Mel. Oh, man, that... Now I, I want, now, I want you to hear this, this illustration because this is important for some of you. This is seven days later. This is seven days. Nothing really major had happened in seven days. We, didn't, we weren't out of our financial problems. Nothing had really solved itself except for one thing. I was making progress in learning, and my wife saw it and greatly appreciated it. And let's be honest, what you struggle with most, most of the time when couples struggle, there's a financial element in that. And all of the sudden, the thing that was the most tense in our relationship became the bonder for us to move forward in Christ and godliness. And I want you to see this illustration today because your action step today might just be that you kind of both get together and say, here's where we're at, here's what I'm doing, here's... And, and, and all of a sudden, instead of this being this thing that you can't talk about because you're afraid you're going to fight, you, you, it causes stress within your marriage and your relationships, so you just avoid it, becomes the thing that bonds you together, becomes the, the, the piece that actually helps you in moving forward. And it literally happened for us in seven days. Nothing changed on our credit report or our debt or our money that we were making. But everything changed the moment that we decided to have a new perspective biblically on money and how to do it and what to do. And so I want to encourage you with that today. You're going to get this email, and I want you to go into talk about biblical finances together and watch all of a sudden this thing draw you together. It's your first action step, and that's why this man was praised. I'll do something about my finances. Number four, verse nine says, I tell you, so this is the owner again, make friends for yourselves by means of worldly wealth so that when it fails, uh, they may welcome you into eternal dwellings. So the fourth word is the word eternity. Eternity. The way you spend money has ramifications for all eternity. The way you spend money has ramifications for all of eternity. If you will spend well, if you will look at the perspectives that we're going to talk about, and you will spend according to those perspectives, it actually makes a difference in eternity. Again, I'm not talking about you giving money to the church right now. I'm talking about the money that you keep and spend. I'm talking about the way that you spend that money has eternal ramifications. And so if we will see how money plays into this, if we will see how it uh, really and truly connects us, then you'll begin to see money is a spiritual lesson. Money is a spiritual lesson. Some people, you know, like, I can't believe he's talking about money today. You know, we're starting to pray. He's talking about money. And I kind of I wrestled through that this week. But here's the deal. Jesus, when he was on the earth, talked more about money than he did heaven, hell, and prayer combined. Money is spiritual. Jesus talked more about money than he did about prayer. 
And I'll show you why in this next part, because your money is eternal in its nature. So I don't want to say a whole lot about that. I don't know what the rewards are in eternity, but he makes very clear that, listen, you're going to be welcomed into eternity if you will spend your money correctly. Number five, verses 10 through 12, says, um, whoever is faithful in very little is also faithful in much, and whoever is unrighteous in very little is also unrighteous in much. So, if you have not been faithful with the worldly wealth, who will trust you with what is genuine? Uh, and if you have been faithful with what belongs to someone else, who will give you what is your own? So, the fifth word is the word amount. This is one of the major mistakes that I made in finances. One of the major mistakes that I made in finances is I thought like a big amount of, a big influx of money would fix my problems. I thought the problem was I just didn't have enough money. And if I had more money, it would fix my problems. And I learned in this text that the problem was I wasn't being faithful in spending my money correctly right now, so God couldn't trust me with more. If you are faithful with the amount of money that you have right now, the Bible says He can trust you with more, but you wouldn't be, you wouldn't give someone, um, you wouldn't give someone a shotgun that the very first day they had a BB gun, they shot their sister. You wouldn't do that, you, you know? But yet we expect God to do it. You know what? God, I'm really messing up my $40,000 a year job, but if you would just help me to win the lottery, everything would be all right. And it's not the amount of money that you have. For most of us, it's the way we spend it. It's the incorrect way that we spend and take care of our money. So we've got to be faithful right now. Now, that means as well that you need to be faithful in your current job. You need to be faithful in your current job. Many of us work in front of a computer screen. And the problem with that is that it's so easy to go from work to social media to Amazon I mean, you, you know, I mean, I didn't want you guys to open up your emails right now because I was afraid some of you would order some sneakers. I mean, I mean you, you know, like, I mean, you'd be like, oh, yeah, you know, like, well, while, while it's open, you, you know, and, and we're not, be, we're paid to work. We're paid to be diligent in what we're doing because if we can't be trusted with someone else's business, how can we be trusted with our own business? If we can't be trusted with someone else who's paying us for productivity and to add value in our time, then how can we be trusted with our own time? So the Bible says you've got to be faithful in little so that you can be faithful in much. And if you'll be faithful with someone else's stuff, then I can start giving you some of your own stuff. But then he says, if you're not faithful with money, how can I trust you with deeper spiritual things? Some of you the reason that your life is not spiritually growing is because you are avoiding dealing with money correctly. You want to have a better prayer life? Learn to deal with money correctly. You want to have a deeper, more close connection with Jesus? You know those kind of people that they're like, I heard God say this, and I heard God say that, and you're like, I really think that's true. Then, then learn how to do money right. Faithful in the money so that he can give you some deeper spiritual stuff because it matters how you deal with money. So we're going to learn how to deal with that. So the amount, most of us, in fact, the amount takes care of itself. You just need to be faithful in dealing with it right now. And if you think that you've thwarted this, I know that you know some people that you think, 
I know a guy who's got tons of money, or I know a person who's got, lady who's got tons of money, but they're not faithful. Listen, the Bible warns of their end. The Bible warns of their end. But you and I need to be faithful with the amount of money that we have so that we can have more. Verse 13, sixth word. No servant can serve two masters, since either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise this other, the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The sixth word is master, and there's a question mark after it. And the question is, who is your master? Now, here's the lie that we believe, and it's not true. It's not true whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian. This is universal. The truth is you never get to be master. Never. You, whether, again, whether you're a believer or not a believer, you do not get to be a master. We will always have a master. The Bible says in uh, Romans chapter 6, verse 16, that when we give ourselves to sin, sin becomes our master. Until we give ourselves to Christ, and Christ is our master. But we never get to master sin, or we never get to master Christ. We're always servant to one. This text says, since it's dealing with money, you can serve God or you can serve money, but you can't serve both, and you're going to serve someone. You are not the owner of your money, and you're not the master. And the lie that we have is, well, I earn my money. This is my money. I am my money's master. And, I, and, and, and even if you're not a believer, you're like, I tell my money. And the, the Bible is telling us that's not true. Money is your master. Now, here's how you know if you've got a problem in this area. If you are mad that I am speaking about money right now, you've got a master issue. If you're mad at me, how dare he address money? How dare he come against? That is your master on the inside getting defensive, saying he's trying to take you away from me. I, I want to be in control. And I'm sitting here saying, think about it. I haven't asked you to give. I haven't asked you to uh, dig deep for our new campaign. I've not done any of that. I'm talking about spiritual perspectives, yet your master's on the inside, and he is worked up because he's being threatened that Jesus will take control of your life. And when Jesus is your master, then you can say to your, your money, hey, you'll do what I want because Jesus is in charge of my life. And when you don't have that, your master will run you. And he will rule you, and he will tell you, he's coming against us. He's coming, he's, he's trying to, if you're mad right now, you've got a master issue. Because I just read the Bible. That's it. And because of that, you're not going to learn the spiritual principles that God taught me that helped us to begin to break through in our finances. And you're going to always have this master who rules over you and wants you to be controlled by it. Who is your master? It's a great, great question for you. So, here's what we're going to do today. Last week we prayed, uh, we prayed like Koreans last week. If you're, if you're familiar with the Korean church, Jason, you can go ahead and start making your way up. If you're familiar with the Korean church, it's a really, it's a, it's a modern miracle. After the Korean War, the Korean church has doubled in attendance every 10 years since the Korean War, since the 1950s. 
It's truly amazing. But if you've ever seen Korean churches, by the way, the world's largest church is in Korea, 700,000 people. Uh, I mean, really and truly, they don't, obviously they don't meet all at the same time, uh, but, but literally, and when, you, when their pastor says, let's pray, you hear this, whoa, and they all pray together out loud. And that's how we started to pray last week. But we're not going to pray like Koreans today. Today we're going to pray like Quakers. Anybody, anybody raised a Quaker? Any, there's always a few. There, all right. Here's how Quakers do it. Quakers come into a service, they sit in a circle, they read the Bible, and they're quiet and still, and they think about that text, and they ask God to speak to them. So we're going to go the opposite extreme today. Instead of standing and praying out loud, we're going to sit and we're going to listen for God. And we're going to ask God, we're going to go through these six words, and we're going to ask God to speak to us. And that's going to be some of what you can talk about this week with your, your spouse. But just listen to God speaking to you. No pressure, quiet and still, and listen for God. Now, here's what's so cool about what we're doing right now. So this is Jason Wyatt. Jason is our uh, student pastor. We started praying last Wednesday night when I told the church I felt like that's what we were going to do. And so the students didn't have student meeting. They were in here uh, with us, and they started praying as well. And then this weekend, uh, this past weekend, they had Impact Weekend. So Jason, tell us about uh, what happened on Saturday night at Impact Weekend. had a lot of fun, and uh, um, we had given a call to prayer, a call to action, altar call, and uh, in this process, praise and worship, two and a half hours later, they're still at the altar. They're still there praising, they're still there praying, they don't want to leave. I have to actually tell them they need to leave. You had to kick off. Now, think yes. about that. Like, we hear all the time, well, students are walking away from Jesus and all these things. Well, here at River Valley, he's got to break up two and a half hour prayer meeting. Yeah! I'll take that. I'll take that. I mean, think, do you think that that's a coincidence? I mean, do you think God moving in that way, it's a coincidence that we started praying and then all of a sudden God started working in this way? And then Saturday, uh, Sunday morning, you guys saw in this service, but maybe you were gone last week or maybe you didn't know some of the background. Tell us what happened last Saturday mo- uh, Sunday morning. God blew my mind. 21 baptisms. 21 baptisms last week right here. And tell us the one that—so that, that, uh, uh, here's what we've uh, always had at River Valley. I really like family baptisms, so we're going to baptize two girls in the next service. Their family's going to be—because their, their family a lot is, is really the impetus for a lot of that. So I love baptizing the dad, then uh, the dad baptizing the mom, then the mom and the dad baptizing the son. That's pretty— uh, normal at River Valley, but we had something that we had never had last week. Tell us what we had. Again, God blew my mind. A uh, young man is going to get baptized. He gets out of the baptismal, and he gets to baptize his mom. Yeah, How crazy is that? that? How crazy is that, right? Guys, yeah! <laughs> now think about that. So our student ministry, it's not like adults are pouring into it. Our student ministry is pouring into others. I mean, again, do you think that it was a coincidence that the 21 baptisms do you think that it was a coincidence that we saw God do a two and a half hour altar call? Do you think, I mean, do you think that we could know you, you as a teenager who's fidgety and easily distractible, you're going to sit here for two and a half hours and pray. Do you think that was planned? Or do you think God just showed up because his people started praying? That's what I choose to believe. I, I believe it's really strong evidence. 
So we're going to pray again today. We're going to pray quiet and still. And Jason is going to lead us through these six words. And I want you to pray. I want you to acknowledge what we say in these six words. He's just going to say them out and acknowledge those things and then be quiet. See if God, we're going to give God space to move in this time and in this way and let him do that. So let's bow our heads. Jesus, we praise you. First word is owner. The earth and everything in it is his. second word is manager you are accountable to what he gives you to manage Next word is action. What will you do with it? It's time to act. The next word is eternity. It's not, it's not what you give, it's how you spend. The next word is amount. If you're faithful and little, you can be faithful in a lot.
final word is master. You cannot serve God and money. Who will you serve? Thank you for listening. I pray that the message gave you hope, that you were inspired, you were challenged. And I want to also encourage you that if you'd like to join us live, you can go to myrivervalley.church or download the River Valley app for more info about service times, directions, and ministries. And thank you for giving. Your generosity and how you serve as our church family is so important to us. You are helping reach people for the gospel of Jesus. You can go to myrivervalley.church give for more details there as well. We'll see you next week.